Welcome to this week's episode of Mum Will Know with me, Claire Wind, midwife and mum. Join me each week as we delve into topics from conception to kids in kindy with the aim to become confident and well-informed mums. Today's episode is another topic inspired by you listeners. At the start of the year, I asked for suggestions for content for the next few months and one lovely listener has requested information on breastfeeding older kids. This is actually really timely for me as I'm still breastfeeding my 16-month-old whilst pregnant with the aim to continue breastfeeding him with a newborn if we can manage it. So as I speak to today's guest, you'll hear me start to reflect on how relevant it is in my stage of life too. But less about me. Today I'm speaking with midwife and international board certified lactation consultant Susie Prout. Susie actually runs her own podcast called the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast, which covers some of the many vast topics and questions that arise around breastfeeding. So that's well worth checking out if you're pregnant or a breastfeeding mama. Uh, In today's conversation, though, Susie and I are looking at breastfeeding older kids. We start off touching on the transition from exclusively breastfeeding to introducing solids. And then we kind of follow along the child's life with how much breastfeeding is needed once baby's one. Should a child having solids mean that they don't breastfeed overnight? Uh, When to start implementing boundaries around breastfeeding? We also look at breastfeeding when returning to work, when trying to conceive, and also whilst pregnant. And we touch on tandem feeding. Susie also helpfully talks through weaning and how that process can be made as gentle as possible. Let me know what you think of the episode and if you have enjoyed it. Please jump over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, review and rate Mum Will Know. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Susie. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, Just to start us off, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and what you do for work? Yes. Hi, Claire. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to chat about this. So, yeah, so I'm Susie Prout. I am a registered nurse and midwife and also a international board certified lactation consultant. Um, I am here in Perth and I worked for many years in the hospital system uh, the 20 years yeah, as a midwife and and then later on became a lactation consultant and then we moved over to Indonesia um, a few years ago for my husband's work and I wasn't able to work as a, a health professional there so that's when I started my online business um, and it was all about offering one-to-one assistance for girls virtually as a lactation consultant and then also I created a online breastfeeding education program that girls then can buy when they're pregnant to um, learn how to breastfeed as well. And then we um, moved back to Perth. And so I'm back here now doing more face-to-face things, but as well still have this online presence, which is which is great. Awesome. So did you become the lactation consultant because you lived in Indonesia or were you already a lactation consultant then? No, I already was. I mm-hmm. was working at um, a private hospital here in Perth as an LC, um, and that's when I when we left. And I was like, right, how can I how can I help women but not see them face to face? 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so your day-to-day work now is working as a lactation consultant, but you said you do a bit more face-to-face as well. Yeah. So I do one-to-ones in the Perth metro area um, and see girls face-to-face. And then I also run this online breastfeeding program that girls will buy and have all the videos. And then I help them in a private Facebook community as well while they're learning how to breastfeed. So it's, yeah, it's varied. It's really fun. Awesome. Yeah. So I've done a few episodes already focused on breastfeeding. Um, yeah. We've looked at the benefits for mum and baby and we've spoken with another lactation consultant on some hot topics around breastfeeding. But as you know, there's a lot that can be covered when we look at breastfeeding um, yeah. so much so that that's your job and you <laughs> even have your own podcast about it. Yeah. Um, But earlier this year, I asked my Instagram community what topics they wanted to hear more about and had a few people request info on breastfeeding older kids. Often we highlight all those challenges that come really at the start of your breastfeeding journey. But today I thought we'd talk through breastfeeding babies once solids had started and then once they're past 12 months old and then some of the challenges that might arise in those stages. Yeah. So first of all... I guess I've spoken on this a little bit before, but for listeners who may not have heard those previous episodes, how long should we be breastfeeding our babies? And is there an age when breastfeeding is no longer beneficial? Okay, great. So what I like to go back to is the World Health Organization uh, recommendations. And so what they recommend is for a baby to have to exclusively breastfeed for the first six months of their life and then to add solids and water and that into the mix and to continue breastfeeding until two years of age or more. So when we look at the benefits of breastfeeding, the benefits never end. Breast milk is an amazing uh, substance and it is continually changing for the age of the child and for if the child is going through any sicknesses or if the mum's going through any sicknesses, the antibodies change. Um, It never becomes unnecessary and it never becomes bad per se. Um, I mean, the first six months is extremely beneficial um, because that's all that they're getting. Mm. But then things become, you know, they start having lots of more of a varied diet. And certainly when they get to the age of two, they are having a lot of of food and and drinks and really kind of table food, the same as a family. And so breastfeeding past two is they, the World Health Organization says two and beyond because if we can get to two, incredible. But if you can go past two, it's still beneficial. And there's no, I mean, there's evidence to show that it never becomes unnecessary because it's such an amazing substance. And so natural weaning, oh, there's new studies to show now that natural weaning could be from two and a half to about the age of seven. And so it really can go, you know, can go on. And different countries is... Um, babies will and children will uh, breastfeed for a lot longer than some countries. Mm. So you've said we exclusively breastfeed to six months is the recommendation. Once we do start adding in solids um, and cups of water and things like that, how much then should those babies, those six months to 12 month age babies be breastfed? Okay. Yeah. So there is a little bit of a myth out there with some people thinking that as soon as you start introducing solids at the six month mark, that that is the time to then decrease the amount of breast milk that you're getting. And it's not true. Solids, it's certainly between six and nine months. Solids is quite 
experimental. Some babies will take to it really well, some won't. But breast milk is still the most important substance for the first 12 months of a baby's life. And so that's why between six and nine months, when you're really learning how to, how you, your, your baby's learning how to take solids, you still want to be giving the breast milk first because we don't want to be accidentally weaning our baby off breast milk because we're giving our baby too much solids and there's some babies absolutely love solids and they will just go gung-ho on it and then they won't have the enough breast milk in those in that six and nine months then when it gets to nine months you can just you don't there's not a day when you automatically just swap from breast milk first to breast milk after solids it just might be that your baby you might get up in in the morning and you won't give the milk drink first you might have breakfast and then you might do the breast milk after or if you're doing formula you might do it after Um, and it's a very slow gradual process to about 12 months of breast milk still being very heavily involved so if you haven't weaned if you haven't uh, so yeah taken the amount of breast feeds down and your baby's 12 months it actually doesn't matter because we always want breast milk to be at the forefront in those first 12 months Awesome. So then at 12 months, does uh, solid food become the priority for nutritional value for the baby? And then I guess how much breast milk is required from then, because obviously you said two years and beyond for breastfeeding. So if solids then become the priority nutritionally, when should we be giving breast milk or how much breast milk should those 12 month plus children have? Yeah, okay. So this is when it becomes really tricky as well because as much as the World Health Organization is saying to and beyond for breastfeeding, we do know that the breastfeeding rates in Australia are dismal. Mm. And babies, oh, I mean, are there even one in 10 babies still breastfeeding at at 12 months? Um that would be amazing. <laughs> we just don't have those um we just we just don't seem to have the take on breastfeeding everyone starts to breastfeed pretty much everyone in Australia and then it just decreases and and decreases and so the majority are then either looking to wean after the 12 months Mm. or they are they have been having uh, formula and so then when you get to 12 months you don't need to have formula anymore so they are going to cow's milk and we also say that with breastfed babies they will then also start to have cow's milk in their diet from 12, 14 months. And so for the mums that are still breastfeeding, and certainly with my children, I breastfed them until about two, breast milk does slowly wean, but it becomes it becomes more of, because we know that breast milk is more than just nutrition, it's comfort, mm. it's when a baby's tired, it's when a baby's unwell. And so you could you, you might use breast milk to, to feed your baby to sleep for their naps and for bedtime. You may be co-sleeping with your toddler and breastfeeding during the night and then they're not having any breast milk in the day. There's After 12 months, there's no recommendations as to how much breast milk you need to have. Okay. We want solids to be important then. We want them to be having three meals a day and some snacks and we want them to be starting to drink water and also learning if that if you are wanting your baby to have um, cow's milk that they're starting to drink that in cups and learning um, you know taking the bottles away if they're bottle fed and learning how to use from a cup or a sippy cup or a straw and so breast milk becomes extremely individual there may be some babies who are having 
six small little breastfeeds of a day but might not be getting much at all. And there might be babies who wake up, toddlers who wake up and have a really good amount of breast milk in the morning and then go about their day and have a good breastfeed in the evening. And breast milk, as a mum of a toddler, you will understand when your baby feels the need to connect with you and to have that feed. And it's often a lot, nutrition amazing, but it's often a lot more than nutrition as well. So I wish I could give a black and white answer, but it's so individual after 12 months. Mm, Definitely. What would you kind of sum up the benefits of breastfeeding past 12 months? So you've said that there's the bonding, there's also some nutritional value and then also antibodies for when babies are sick or toddlers are sick. Is that kind of what you'd say breast milk does for toddlers? Yeah, yeah. So the the antibodies and if mum is sick or a baby sick is incredible. You can't beat that. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, and then the nutritional value as well. There's nothing, there's no bad things in breast milk. There's nothing bad in it. So for them to have a drink of that is always going to be nutritional as well. And with the bonding and the attachment When our babies are becoming toddlers and becoming small children and they're going off into the world and they're leaving us for periods of time, there are some relationships and and some babies who really need to then come back and just ground and connect with the mum and and even for the mum too. And so they might go off and have a day in daycare and then they come back and they have a really nice breastfeed because they're kind of just reconnecting and rebooting. Mm. Um, And I think that... A lot of people who haven't breastfed for a long time, it's it's quite hard to explain that connection that babies have when they breastfeed um, into toddlerhood and beyond because a lot of people will think, oh, but, you know, just give them food or just they don't need that, just give them a cup of milk. But the connections and then making the baby feel secure enough to then go off into the world knowing that they've got that stable base is um, incredible. And not to say that if you don't breastfeed that there's anything wrong with that either because my first child I didn't, I I breastfed until he was one um, and the other two I breastfed um, until two and beyond. And there was certainly no difference in the bonding with any of my children but it is just a nice option for breastfed mums. Sure. Okay. And then something I've been thinking about in terms of breastfeeding past one, and especially for those people who might go back to work and things like that, or or have kids in daycare and things like that, should toddlers be given breast milk in a bottle or is that not as essential then because we're past that 12 months mark it's more about the maybe attachment bonding actually being held actually being put to the breast as opposed to just drinking breast milk when they can have cow's milk and water and things like that yeah so it's you can go two ways um some some babies really enjoy the taste of breast milk in a sippy cup, in a bottle, in a straw cup, and then the mum will send some milk to daycare for them to have that because they actually would drink that and then won't drink cow's milk or won't drink water as much. Sure. And so those mums might do that. In the vast majority that I see with mums who come to me for returning to work when a baby is past 12, 14 months, we look at maintaining their milk supply if they're wanting to continue breastfeeding. So we make sure that they are expressing if they need to at work, if their baby usually would feed in the daytime. But in terms of when they go to daycare, whether they send that milk to daycare is um, just a totally personal decision because they don't um, have to have it for nutrition because they are having everything else at daycare, but they may like Mm -hmm. it. And some babies still 
if they're taking a bottle of breast milk or of cow's milk or of, um, you know, whatever they, sometimes babies will take a bottle of water. If they go to sleep that way, then mums will continue giving a bottle to the daycare because that's a way of the daycare to give them a bottle of cow's milk or breast milk for them to then go to sleep. So it's kind of how that child manages sleep times. Um, Bottles are not necessary after 12 months. We like babies to start to learn how to not have the bottle. Mm -hmm. However, some babies are just not ready and um, that's how they take, that's how they go to sleep, that's how they settle themselves and who are we to say to a mum, Oh no, you know it's got it's got to this age, and we need to stop now. Mm, definitely, and with that as well, you've touched on this a little bit before with feeding to sleep and feeding overnight. But is there an expectation that once solids start, babies should not need breast milk overnight because they shouldn't be hungry? <laughs> yeah, so there is. I mean, you can go to. There are a dime a dozen of sleep consultants, and we won't go into sleep consultants, I guess, now um, because that's. Um, totally separate to what we do but some people say you know they shouldn't need breast milk when they're having solids in my personal experience and my and the evidence that I've come across is that babies are experimenting with solids until they get to about 12 months they are they're not having huge huge amounts and so some babies will still need a breastfeed or two or more um, in the night in the first year and some babies will breastfeed because that is the way that they settle to sleep. Mm. And so if you have a baby who has a sleep cue of, of sucking, then they will wake up to, to breastfeed at night because that's how they go back to sleep. Now, some mums are very happy with that and, and that's awesome and they will continue to let their baby breastfeed to sleep because that's what they want to do. Some mums can't cope with it. Some mums have gone back to work and I just, they're like, I just, I can't cope with waking up in the night. I've now got a newborn as well. And, and then they want to put in some boundaries around breastfeeding. So their baby does learn to go to sleep on their own. And then if the baby was, was um, sucking more for comfort and not having huge amounts of milk, you may find that they then wouldn't wake up much in the night Um, but certainly if we're talking about the first six or 12 months I think it's normal for a baby to breastfeed overnight I think that certainly all of my three children did and it's it's not often that a baby would decide on their own Mm -hmm. they're just going to sleep through the night Yeah. yeah And then going into boundaries a little bit, when should yeah. we go from demand breastfeeding to being able to implement some routines or boundaries around timing or number of feeds that we do? Okay, so as a baby goes into toddlerhood and becomes their own person, there are times when breastfeeding can become uh, a negative or a stressful experience for the baby or for the mum. So A lot of my clients will come to me and say, I don't want to stop breastfeeding, but I can't keep breastfeeding like I am. So Mm. she might have a baby, I keep saying baby, but it's toddler, (laughs) who who is asking or pulling at the top for a breastfeed every half an hour during the day. As soon as she sits down, the toddler's on her for a breastfeed. As soon as anything little goes wrong, the toddler's on her for a breastfeed. And there are a lot of mums who are really struggling because they don't want to end the breastfeeding relationship, but the aversions that they get with breastfeeding when it's so often, they feel they can't continue. And certainly I feel from my experience is 
when a toddler is very frequently wanting to feed and even just suck for a couple of minutes, not really for nutrition, but more just to calm them down very often, then the mum will usually pull back and the mum will usually be like, no, 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 let's not do it now or I can't do it now or she'll get upset about it. And if the mum gets upset and throws off negative emotions subconsciously, the baby or toddler will subconsciously want to feed more. And then it becomes a power play of mum being like, oh, I don't really want to feed now. And the baby being, oh, I want to feed. And it becomes quite stressful. So I recommend for those mums to put in some boundaries in place. And by what I mean is think about when you want to feed your child. So do you want to feed to sleep? That's what you want to do. You want to feed for the nap and feed for going to bed at night. And you might be happy to feed once in the night but you don't want to be feeding all willy-nilly out when you're out and about. Then that's when you put in boundaries and you use things like distraction and you use you use some simple words and you change your routine. You don't sit on the same chair that you normally sit on in the day or you change the way Bub goes down for a nap and you, you change things around so the toddler doesn't think that you are stopping the breastfeeds because you're being really clever in the way that you distract. So we we try and unlink that I ne- every time I'm not 100% happy, I'm going to go to the breast. We just try and unlink that so that the toddler will know that, yep, when it's sleep time, I can have my breastfeed. Or when I wake up, I can have my breastfeed and take away the behavior component. Because there are a lot of mums who just can't cope with the amount of breastfeeds as they go on, even if they short breastfeeds. And certainly when a new baby comes along or when a mum goes back to work. Um, And then there are other mums that are more than happy. They're more than happy to naturally wean and to not worry about boundaries and let their baby do whatever they want. So certainly as you grow, it becomes very individualized in how the mum's feeling. Mm. you are just saying exactly my situation at the moment oh. <laughs> I'm absolutely in that with uh, my son Rupert he just every time I sit down he climbs onto me and pulls at my yes. top wanting the breast so yeah. I'm in that time to oh. like figure out not demand feeding anymore and just putting on yeah some boundaries in there and having a bit of uh control over it yeah <laughs> and I think I think that um we we like I like a, a baby as a new baby um with demand feeding is perfect for milk supply and perfect mm. for everything however in certainly in my practice I've changed the way I practice with older children and I like to put in a routine around breastfeeding yeah. so yeah. It's, it's not it's not because I feel that babies shouldn't breastfeed until they're older. I That's totally opposite. But I feel that if you want a positive relationship with breastfeeding and you're, you want your child to not be anxious when they're not around you because they're used to being at you all the time, putting in a routine where everyone knows what's happening will make for a, a positive experience, I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think I was really... I found that I was more upset about breastfeeding recently than I thought I would be. I was very much like, yeah, I'll breastfeed to two and then see what happens. And all of a sudden he just got so demanding during the day and I was just like, I don't want to do this. And I was yeah. feeling really negative towards it and I was like, I don't want to wean him, but I was like, he, this is way too much. And so, yeah. yeah, I think it's really helpful to hear like boundaries actually can make that experience for both the baby and yourself yeah. more positive. And that's obviously a good thing if you do want to prolong that breastfeeding relationship. So, yeah. 
that's very helpful. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, I've heard concerns that older children that breastfeed become overly dependent and there's an issue with emotional dependence. Is there truth in this? So studies have shown that babies, children that are naturally weaning, so they, they go on for quite a few years with breastfeeding, have really positive connections with their parents and there are no there's no evidence to show that a child has become uh, you know too anxious or emotionally unstable because of their long breastfeeding relationship so that's the one side we know that the evidence is showing that um, natural term weaning is what uh, the world should be aiming for however mm-hmm. we when we look at it on a day-to-day basis and what I've spoken about with babies becoming anxious and older children becoming uh, just wondering when they can next have a breastfeed. We know that from a day-to-day thing, if that is affecting your child, then that is affecting you as a mum and then you're going to throw off emotions that are negative, which is then in turn going to cause your child to want to feed more and it becomes a power play. And so babies really need to know what is happening next. They need to know what they're allowed to do and what's happening next. They thrive on some form of routine. And that's when I get back to those breastfeeding boundaries and that the children that are are naturally term weaning, if we see everything positive going with that breastfeeding diet, then we leave it and that's amazing. And if the mum is happy with that, that's amazing. But for these children who are becoming obsessed, I guess, with pulling at your top every 20 minutes, I can't see that that can be a positive experience for the mum and the child. And so from there's no evidence that I'm talking through, but in terms of me just looking at my clients who come for help, as soon as we put into place, okay, when do you want to breastfeed your child? And when does your child want to breastfeed themselves? And then we will look at a happy medium. It all just seems to work a bit better. Sure. Yeah. All right, let's move on to return to work. So we touched on it a little bit already, but how can we be preparing for return to work with the plan to continue breastfeeding? Okay, so are we? Is this for over twelve months or? Yeah, let's say let's say we've done a year off for maternity leave and now going back to work. Okay, and that could be part time or full time, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the the time, the um, the mums will come to me and say. They are just worried about that uh, daytime nap, around that daytime nap, and how the baby's going, how the how the toddler's going to go with not having breast milk in that time. So we look at how the baby, the toddler, can go to sleep. We look at how often you breastfeed your toddler, and we look at your milk supply and your. Uh, I guess your goals on how long you would like your breastfeeding to go. So it's really important that we look at the milk supply as the main thing when you're going back to work and you've already done your year or more off. We're not looking at your toddler as, oh my gosh, are they going to get enough nutrition in the day? Mm. Because they are. If they if they have their breastfeed when you're at home and then when they're at daycare, they're not having their breastfeed, it doesn't matter. It does not matter to them in terms of nutritional at all. They'll be having their food and their water and they'll be playing at school and it's fine. But we want to look at the mum and say, okay, so if you normally breastfeed a few times a day at home and you're going to go to work five days a week now, 
and you are not going to express or breastfeed or empty your breasts in the day, your milk supply is going to drop Mm. significantly. And then your child is going to try and breastfeed in the day and there's not going to be enough there. You're going to have a delayed letdown of milk because your milk supply is drying up. Your child's going to get angry. They're not going to want to feed and your milk supply is going to go down further and further. And so I also look at how many days of the week are you going back to work? So if you're going back to work five days a week, well, that's pretty significant and we need to ensure that you are expressing during the day at work. If you're going back to work three days a week and you're going back to work, say, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so on Mondays you wouldn't have your child with you but on Tuesdays you would and he or she could breastfeed and then you'd have a day break, that may work because I often find that if you do anything for three days in a row with breastfeeding, there's a change. Mm-hmm. So if you don't breastfeed in the day for three days and the fourth day you're going to have a low milk supply. And so I look at sometimes mums will come to me and say, oh, my work is really flexible about the hours that I do. What's the best for breastfeeding? And so I would say, well, I would like it if you could do a day and then a day off and then a day and then a day off or two days and then a day, two days off and one day or something like that Um, because anything more than three days in a row we need to make sure that your milk supply is maintained and that's by expressing. And it's not by expressing for huge amounts of time. You could do 10 minutes both sides at lunchtime in your break if you're able to do that. If you're not able to express, there's just no ways you can do it at work, then it's really important to try and breastfeed your child just before they go to daycare. So whether it's in the car before you go inside or whenever you can, And then when you pick them up from daycare, as soon as you get back with them, whether it's in the car, whether it's when you get home, to have another breastfeed. So we can decrease the amount of hours of your breasts filling up because as soon as your breasts fill up and feel engorged, messages are sent to your brain to say, oh, we don't really need that much milk anymore. And if you do that for more than three days in a row, that's when the problems are. So we don't look at the child at daycare it's more the mum when we are looking at going back to work and a we have a baby of six months to 14 months that's when we're looking at the nutrition for for buffs for baby sure okay yeah so it's just about making sure mum's supply doesn't dwindle because she plans to continue breastfeeding um as opposed to giving bottles of expressed milk to the child the one-year-old say that's in daycare yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yep, absolutely. That's helpful. <laughs> and then maybe the next step for a woman or for a family is to then think about a second baby or a subsequent baby. So breastfeeding when trying to conceive. Firstly, if you haven't got your period back yet because you've probably been breastfeeding and that's just you know a postnatal thing, it takes a while for our period to come back, but you hope to get pregnant again, should women start cutting back breastfeeds? to encourage their body to start menstruating again or is that bad for the breastfeeding toddler? Okay, so some women will get their periods back and if you get your period back regularly, it means you're you're ovulating unless there was, you know, you might have some rare things not, but most women once they get their regular periods back means they're ovulating. And some girls will get that back within six weeks of their baby being born and they're still regularly exclusively breastfeeding. And so those women you don't need to cut back. If you're getting your period regularly, you don't need to cut back on your breastfeeds because you're ovulating. 
there are some women, and certainly with myself, with my three children, I didn't get a period until I had finished a month probably after I'd finished my final breastfeed. And so that means... Even when you were breastfeeding to two? Yes, yes. Wow, yes. okay. Yeah, so I... the. When I had my first son, uh, he um, he weaned very early at um, 12 months when I went back to work and he decided the bottle was better for him than me. <laughs> um, so that was done. And But then when I had my second child, when he turned two, I wanted to have another baby and I mm. still hadn't got my period back. And I weaned him um, because I didn't want to have a big gap between children. Um, yeah. And so... You don't, some women you will need to wean completely, but I think that most women you can just start to cut down on breastfeeds and hope that that'll kickstart your body into ovulating again. And so, the best evidence to show is that if you are stopping more of the night feeds and you, you're not emptying your breasts at night, then hopefully that will kickstart your body back into ovulation. But for women who are trying to fall pregnant and they haven't received their period back yet, they might get pregnant. But if you are really desperate to get pregnant, you need to kind of know when you're ovulating and you need to know when you need to have sex. You know, otherwise you have to be having sex all the time. I mean, that's just crazy with young kids. Madness. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> who does that? Um, exactly. <laughs> um, and so you need to know. And it's a sad thing. It is It is really tricky. And there are so many women who uh, pull their hair out with this because they want a close age gap between kids mm. and they also want to breastfeed. But breastfeeding is a natural contraception. And so it's not foolproof, but it's, it's, pr- it's pretty good if you're exclusively breastfeeding. Yeah. Mm. I found that a little bit because we wanted to um, start trying for a second at nine when my son was nine months and because he was under 12 months old I was like no breastfeeding is really important for him but I hadn't got a period back and thankfully I like I I didn't start weaning or anything of of course but yeah because he was so young and so and we know that that first year is so important for the breast milk but thankfully I did get my period back about nine or ten months or something like that but um yeah, I remember thinking yeah. that's really stressful. And it's like, no, 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 I plan on breastfeeding yeah. my first for a long time. But I was like, I also planned on having a second at some point. So I was yes. like, ah, what do I do? But yeah, just lucky with that. And I think, and there's some women who have these un- unplanned pregnancies and they're exclusively breastfeeding and their baby's maybe three months old. Next minute they're pregnant yes. and even realize. So it's just, yeah. it's just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to um, really tell, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and then someone does get pregnant. Yes. How does breastfeeding whilst pregnant work? Is it safe for the pregnancy to still breastfeed? Yes, it's completely safe to still breastfeed. Um, there's a lot of myths out there that, oh, my gosh, you need to stop in your in your first trimester. Yeah. There's We cannot find any evidence to show that. Continue breastfeeding is in the... Um, some countries the done thing mm. um, and so you the, th- the only thing that you're going to come across though if you are still is that your older child may not want to breastfeed anymore because certainly in that first trimester you can have a decrease in milk supply because of the hormones um, and so if you have a decrease in milk supply and that 
if you have a decrease in milk supply, you then have a delayed letdown of milk, which means your baby's sucking at the breast for a long time before the milk starts to flow. And that will annoy an older child who's used mm. to having plentiful milk. And so you may have a baby, an ch- older child who doesn't want to. And you also may get really sensitive nipples. Yeah. So your nipples are changing in pregnancy. And so you, a lot of girls will get breastfeeding aversions when they're pregnant. They just can't. They don't want to have an older child on the breast. And the other thing is breast milk can change in taste as well when you're pregnant. So there are quite a few children who naturally would wean while you're pregnant anyway. Sure. And with the change in taste, is that because of hormones or because the milk is changing to like a colostrum for the newborn child? Yeah. So at towards the end, that's what it is. It's changing. So in the first trimester, it is because of hormones. Okay. Um, and also as you have a lower milk supply, the change in taste can be the as well because of that. And then as you go through your pregnancy and the colostrum starts to arrive, then the change in taste will be. And, you know, some babies, I mean, older children won't mind that, but yeah. some do. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then you have that subsequent child, tandem breastfeeding. Mm. How does that work? Okay, so it's it is a huge thing, and and if you are going down that route, I would recommend seeing a lactation consultant to nut it all out, because it depends on how often your older child is feeding, how your milk supply is, how your newborn is feeding, how your newborn's weight gain is going, and how everything's going with that, and how your nipples are, and so. And also your goals and how you want to feed your older child and your newborn at the same time. The main, the main, the important thing to note with tandem feeding is that when you have your newborn in those early days, your newborn needs to take preference over your older child when you are feeding, because you can't have your older child stealing all the milk, mm. and then you've got this newborn who's who's wanting a plentiful supply there to gain heaps of weight in those early days. So you want to ensure that when it's time for your newborn to be feeding, that they have a good amount of milk at the breast. And that's where it becomes tricky in if you have an older child who's asking because, you know, their mum's just had a new baby, they're feeling unsure of the world. And so they want to feed more. They want to feel close. They feel that their brother and sister's having all the time at the breast. And so that's when it becomes tricky when you know that your newborn needs to have a feed in an hour's time but your older child then wants to feed, it it can be a little bit tricky. It usually works itself out and there are a lot of mums who will um, feed their older child on one side and their newborn on the other side. And because you you are having your breasts drained so much, we look at supply and demand, you will have a plentiful milk supply in time because it's like if you're breastfeeding twins, you Mm. have so much milk there because of the amount that's being drained out. So it works itself out. But the trickiest time that mums will tell me, I've not done it, but the trickiest time that mums will tell me is within those first six weeks of birth, because you need to ensure that your newborn is getting the milk and you have got a stressed out older child who's like, what's happening now? I have to share my (laughs) mum. That sounds yeah. really hard, actually. Like I, I've always thought tandem feeding just sounds like, yeah, of course, like for me yeah. at the moment I'm pregnant and so it's like, oh, yeah, I assume we'll just keep feeding my older one as well. But then it's like, oh, I just can't even imagine like when you're demand feeding a newborn, you're basically like breastfeeding constantly and yes. then for a toddler to come and be like, <laughs> and I want to jump on now too. Yeah. Like, oh, 
oh, give me my body back. Yeah, yeah. Hats off to those who do tan and Hats off, yeah, yeah, hats off. Incredible. It's incredible, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so sometimes we get to a point where breastfeeding's not working anymore for mum, especially. Yep. Um, let's talk about weaning. You've ta- you've touched on this term natural weaning a few times. What's what is natural weaning, and as opposed to say forced weaning? I don't know what you call yeah. the other yeah. option. Um, <laughs> And yeah. then I guess if, yeah, if a mother is looking to wean, how can she do that in a gentle way? Okay, yeah. So the two terms that I use, yes, there is natural, but I also use um, baby-led weaning and um, mother-led weaning. Okay. So with natural and, and baby-led, we're essentially letting the baby choose what they want to do and when they're ready to wean. So we support the baby we may have put some breastfeeding boundaries into place but in general we're just letting the baby decide and so you're taking all of that stress away from yourself in deciding oh my gosh when should I be winning this child and we're letting the child decide and so that can be that can that weaning process of having less and less and less feeds can go on for a year while you're letting your child work it all out and in the end it might just be that your child will have one feed in 24 hours for three six months you know and then they decide to stop and because it's so gentle you don't have to worry about engorgement or problems with block ducts and things like that so that's the one way the second way is when you've decided as a mother that it's time to wean your child and I, I like to, I in, in all of my practice, I am very modern in my approach. And so I support women and I feel like if they are ready to wean their baby under 12 months or ready to wean their older child, child at the age of four, that is their body, it's their decision, mm. and they get to they get to decide and not feel guilty for it. So I help a lot of women um, in these often going through the breastfeeding boundaries and then going past that and saying, no, I'm ready. And so what I like to do is, and I'm going through this with a client at the moment, is choose one feed of the day that your child is the least, um, I guess, attached to. And if your child is least attached to, say, the feed when they wake up in the morning, then you would work out a way to distract them to stop that feed and to do the same thing for a week to unlink in their brain that that's when they have a feed and then you've just dropped that feed and then you might say right okay I'm going to let them continue feeding twice before they nap and before they go to bed and when they ask me any other time I'm going to distract I'm not going to feed and then that means that your milk supply is going to be gently Um, slowing and your child is going to probably not even realize too much what you're doing and then you will go to the next feed and do the same thing until you're at the end and there might be a time when you're going really really well and you've nearly weaned and then your child might get sick or they might just have a bit of a wobbly time and you might go back to feeding a bit and then you'll start again because I always say to my clients that there's no you don't need to rush to the finish line who says you have to finish breastfeeding in the next two weeks you can continue and and you know you might change your mind and you're allowed to and you might get all the way to nearly finished weaning and change your mind again and and that's okay so it's it's supporting the women to feel so yeah to feel supported and to feel educated around the matter but also 
to try and look at the guilt that they're feeling and to work through that because we certainly we don't want a mum to feel like they have to breastfeed if they actually just can't stand it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I feel like you've covered a whole host of topics there. So it's been really helpful and I'm sure yeah. um, people will learn a lot from that, I hope. Yeah. For listeners who want to hear more from you um, and maybe to get in touch with you, where can they do this? Yeah, sure. So I, as you said, I run the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast, which is just purely breastfeeding related. Um, and I also have my Instagram page, which is Susie Prout Lactation. And through there, you can look at um, the breastfeeding program and um, my consultations and just bits and pe- bits and pieces on there as well. Awesome. Well, I will share a link to those um, in the show notes. But yeah, Susie, thank you so much for being willing to chat today to share all this information um, that hopefully will be really helpful for some mums out there. Um, I've already learned a lot and so (laughs) (laughs) helpful for me nonetheless. (laughs) Yeah, Um, But yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. I've really enjoyed chatting. I could chat forever about any topic with this stuff, so more than happy to. (laughs) Beautiful. I hope today's episode was helpful and informative. If you are keen to find out more or to connect with Susie, find her at the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast or through her Instagram, which I've linked to in the show notes. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Know. I hope you all have an awesome week and will join me again next Tuesday for another episode.